This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half of your host today, Justin Williams. And you know, I'm never alone. You know me, my abandonment issues and all my other issues. And I have more bags than an airport carousel, but my friend doesn't. Ladies and gentlemen, the man behind the mic, the guy who makes me sound good. And honestly, the reason why I know how to dress and I know MMA. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Colbert Durand. Kobe, how you doing? The reason you know how to dress, that one just came out wrong, buddy. Well, I mean. <laughs> but I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing good. You, you you do help me. You know, sometimes I can't figure out how to use my pants and my shirt. Oh, man. <laughs> Anyways, we're a bunch of fools. But our guest isn't. She is actually amazing in every sense of the word. She's a, well, she's a national, I almost say national hero, but anybody who's made it to the Olympics in my eyes is obviously amazing. You know, she's a rugby player. She is a medalist. Take that in for a second. A medalist. You know what? The only thing I've ever meddled in is whatever Scooby-Doo gang was. I was always there with them, solving crimes, all that fun stuff. That's the only way I ever meddled. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Canada rugby player, Bianca Farella. Bianca, how you doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Literally any time. How have you been during these past few days? Uh, the past few days have been pretty good. A little hectic just because I'm getting back into training again. I took a long yeah. break after the Tokyo Olympic <laughs> Games this summer and I'm just kind of getting back into it now. Ooh, ooh, I see you have a special guest with you. Who, who's on your end? You know what? That is uh, not on my end. <laughs> that was noble. Oh, was damn noble. it, noble. <laughs> <laughs> I got so excited for a I second. wish. I wish <laughs> I had a fur baby. <laughs> Honestly, Noble is is a gem and we love him, except when he wants to input his voice when it's not needed at the moment. <laughs> we love you, Noble. Moving forward. It's welcome. Uh, it is very welcome. Okay, so let's start off with the basics. I always like to ask these questions. How did you get into rugby? Yeah, great question. I was in high school and a great friend of mine, um, her family is from New Zealand. And of course, they live and breathe rugby. And she thought I would be a great fit. So in grade seven, the rugby trials came around and that's really that really was my first view of the sport entirely. How did she just casually come up to say you were a great fit? Were you like sitting there clotheslining people at recess and she was like, hey Bianca, you know where you can actually clothesline somebody legally? And you're like, Hulk smash. Like, right. How did, how did um, I, her and I have we've essentially played all the sports at, at the high school, like whenever the uh the season came up, like we played soccer together and then basketball season came up, we played basketball together and then rugby came up and she was like, we got to, we got to do it. And on my end, I was like, well, it's, 
rugby or tennis. So we're, <laughs> I think we're going to go for rugby, um, better suited to uh, wh- what I want to do and, and my values in a team sport with a lot of people. And we're, we're both very fast and very speedy and, and very fit naturally. So that's, uh, that's kind of where it started. And I found my spot on the wing and, and that was the perfect fit. <laughs> there you go. When you played wing as, as a rugby player, did you also play that wing as a soccer player as well? I was actually a def- center defense in soccer, actually. I can see that. Um, You're zoning people anyways. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no VAR. Believe it or not, I'm, yeah, believe it or not, I'm not naturally aggressive, but, uh, but I, I don't blame you if you don't believe me based on how I play. <laughs> I was going to say, based on your stats and everything I see, I don't think you weren't zoning people behind uh, the bleachers. Uh, does your friend still play rugby? Uh, no, she doesn't. <laughs> No, but uh, but she's uh, essentially a a fitness influencer and and does programming for um, for pregnant women. Oh, right on! Like yeah. Laws. Now, have you have you always played rugby sevens? Uh, no, I have not always played rugby sevens. Uh, I started playing fifteens. Uh, that's kind of the uh, more traditional um, form of the sport. Yeah. Um, when I first started playing rugby. There, there would be sevens tournaments, but it would essentially be one weekend a year or one weekend a season. And I only really got my first crack at rugby, besides, of course, those high school weekend tournaments, was with the national team. I was in university. I was in my first year university at uh, Concordia mm-hmm. in Montreal. And, uh, and that's when the, the national Canadian women's sevens coaches approached me and asked if I would move to Victoria, BC to centralize and train full time. But that was really, I had never trained specifically for sevens before until I landed in Victoria, BC. Okay. And were you at Concordia on a rugby scholarship? No, not, not officially, no. But uh, I think there was financial aid involved, but I don't think it was a sports scholarship. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so were they just basically going from university to university and scouting people at the time? Or was there someone that kind of put your name forward? Certainly through, I guess, like their were a couple factors at play. I know that they, the national coaches do a fair amount of scouting on their own. There are provincial tournaments every year that they would be attending. They would, of course, be attending the university seasons as well. Mm-hmm. Certainly as they kind of ramp up to um, nationals. At the time it was CIS, but now it's youth sports. They would certainly be attending those tournaments and scouting. And uh, in my case... I had played age grade Quebec and uh, under 18 and under 20 Canada. My name was certainly under the radar and I was tracking well and I attended the talent ID camps. And so it was definitely not a a one stop, we'll take her type of situation. Okay. But I had been, I had been playing since I was 13 and then I got asked to um, move out to BC, I think when I was 18 or 19. So I think there's always like a death chart and a long list and then a short list. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough. Right. So what makes Vancouver or at least BC, like Victoria, the capital or the place to be when it comes to training? Is it just because of the weather? Yeah, I think I think that's how they originally sold it to us. At the time, the staff was all, all living there, here, I should say, in Victoria. And uh, yeah, the idea was exactly that, that you can train all year round. And uh, of course, there is a strong provincial program here as well. So that definitely played well, more so for the men's side than the women's side. But yeah, that was that was the main attraction, just to kind of get everyone on the West Coast where it doesn't snow, um, mm. which is now no longer the case. It snowed this morning. 
Okay, so you're there currently. Yeah, yeah, I, I live in Victoria. Oh, goals. I've always wanted to kind of visit there and beautiful like do here. Some, it, from what I've seen, yeah, a bunch of my friends live there. and uh, Yeah, when I first moved here, I, I, uh, I craved the big city. I'm from Montreal originally. I, I, and, yeah, and I craved the big city. But as I got used to Victoria and just how beautiful the natural space is here, I, it's, uh, it's hard to go back to a, a big city. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can definitely imagine. Okay, so we're going to skip ahead just a little bit now. And we're going to go into the World Cup Sevens in Russia in 2013. What was that experience like, and how did you get that call up? Uh, I had been training with the group for I think six months by that point, um, so I was already in the environment. I, that's I got centralized January 2013, and the World Cup was in July. I had been consistently making the tournaments um, up until that point. Obviously, though, I, I don't really remember the selection process, but I remember being so pumped and just it's just so unbelievable that. I was hitting such a huge milestone at such a young age and and so new in the sport. And I don't know if, if you guys know this, but a few years ago, that silver medal team that I was on got inducted into Rugby Canada's Hall of Fame. Ooh, um, because, yeah, yeah, because that essentially put, started kind of, or continued the wavelengths of, of putting women's rugby on the map in Canada. And globally, obviously, as a result, yeah, just to prove that um, that Canada's here and Canada is a top nation in rugby now. I mean, yeah, we're, we're definitely climbing, especially in the women's ranking. You guys, even for soccer, you guys won gold. So it's just, oh, I mean, love it. Love to see the progression. And what is the atmosphere like in the World Cup of Sevens versus the Olympic Games? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, I think naturally, the Olympics are just on some other type of overwhelming level. <laughs> I believe that the kids say some neck shit. I think is what they say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I can explain it better from the Olympic side. When we go to an Olympic Games, essentially it, we treat it like any other tournament. And we try our best to think that, you know, just do your thing. It, everything's the same. This, the prep is the same. Your individual prep is the same. However, the, however everywhere you look, in the background, you have the Olympic rings. So everything's very in your face. Everything's very overwhelming, very grandiose. And you're at a multi-sport games at that point. So there's a bunch of athletes, mm. thousands of athletes, thousands of athletes in different sports. Whereas on a Rugby World Cup level, everyone breathes rugby. That's all we talk about in terms of like the spectators. Like everyone's there specifically for rugby. So it's, it's, it's very cool in that sense because you have that the niche spectators supporting the sport itself at the at a rugby sevens world cup versus at the Olympics. I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of diehard sports fans that attend certain events for their own reasons. But I think the Olympics, people want that connection to the Olympic games more so than a, sp a specific sport. I think at that point. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering when it comes to the Olympic events itself, between your first Olympics and your second Olympics, how much did the team actually change? Uh, I think it was about half of the group that um, that were new. I think it was about six or seven of us that were in Tokyo that had also competed in Rio. And I th like like any group dynamic, once once a personality comes in or or removes themselves, like the whole dynamic changes, and people have their strengths and. We kind of 
like build a style of play built around the strengths we have on the team. So yeah, I think it was about I think it was about half of the group that um, was in Tokyo that um, was also in Rio. Okay, and in women's rugby sevens, which are the dominant nations? New Zealand won gold in Tokyo, and then France and Fiji got silver and um, bronze. Australia is always a top contender. They won gold at the first Olympics mm-hmm. for rugby sevens in 2016. And uh, cons- we have been consistently a top rugby, rugby nation, certainly until the pandemic hit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's still mainly an Oceania-based sport at this particular time, at least in women's rugby. Uh, yeah, they're, they're certainly top contenders and they do have um, rugby as their main sports. Certainly Canada has, has strengths in, at the Winter, Winter Olympics, as we have just seen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, um, there's a huge, a huge surge in Europe. There, there always has been. Sevens is a bit of a, an anomaly, I find. Like it's, it's, I find it's, it's not unusual that Canada's at a, in a top-ranking position by any means. But yeah, you typically think of like England and, and New Zealand and Australia. But I think that's just because of how rugby is a newer sport to north america yes. but ever since it's, its inception in the at the olympics you see people wanting to go try out you see people you see the growth in the sport and and like i said we can start it back at, in 2013 that growth and that that exponential growth of enrollment in the sport had had huge waves across the country now has there been additional funding because of your success back in rio Oh, there certainly was. Yeah, that's the blessing and the curse of playing sports in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you get funding when you do well and when you rank well. That's right. Yeah, it's it's great when you're doing well, and it's uh, tough to get back when you you're um, not performing to, at your best. For sure. So I was reading that uh, <clears throat> you unfortunately had to miss out in the 2015 Pan Am Games to undergo a shoulder. Does that shoulder still give you issues today, or is it fully healed? I missed out on the Pan Am Games in 2015. That's that is correct. I also had to get shoulder surgery again in 2017 <laughs> on the same shoulder. Oh my! It's just more of like a, a mental issue at this point. Like I know what I did to for it to require surgery, and guess what? It was tackling. So it's a major part of the sport, <laughs> and it's more of a mental thing at this point. But physically and structurally, it's probably the better shoulder that I have realistically. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny what uh, in- injuries do to do an athlete psychologically. Yeah, I mean that's that's honestly something that kind of like fades me too. I, I grew up in martial arts, so I mm. uh, I dislocated my ankle and broke my ankle, and uh, yeah, it, it was the same ankle too. Like it, it wasn't even mm-hmm. good. So I actually had dislocated the ankle, and then a week later broke it. So, oh, <laughs> I feel so for I, you. That's not that's not good. It it was not the vibes. I legitimately couldn't throw a kick properly for like two years. It was well, at least with that leg, anyways. The rest of it was fine. Sorry, it's just it's, it's cool always to talk about an Olympic athlete. Like I have so many things. Like for I want to know more about the Olympics personally. Like that's just kind of my thing. Yeah, no, like, I, I totally that call get it. Up? Do you remember like getting there? The, the, like the meals. Uh, you're from Montreal, so like est-ce que tu parles français avec like everyone? Like like, <laughs> like do you speak French? Yeah, everyone? do you it's... speak French? Like, yeah, I do speak French. It's my second language, and living Same. in BC, it kind of uh, it kind of dwindles. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. But one one week in Quebec, no problem. We have it back, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, yeah, the Olympics are guys. I'm not joking. They are a wild experience. <laughs> They're in back in Rio. 
we were the first rugby sevens Olympians ever. So we didn't have much of a, we didn't have really have role models in that sense. But, but for example, we had talks with uh, previous Olympic rowers uh, and hockey players, but the experience of talking to, to a rugby sevens athlete who was at the Olympics before didn't exist for us. Um, So we were figuring out, figuring it out as we went. And it was, and the, and, and the sport of sevens changes at the Olympics, the format changes. Generally, we play six games over two days. So three pool games on the first day and then finals rounds on the second day. But at the Olympics, we played six games over three days. So we played our first two pool games on the first day and then our last pool game on the second day in the morning, which for us was against Great Britain, who we lost against pretty pretty handedly might i add and then we had to wrap our head around the quarterfinal at the end of that day awesome game made it through but then the next day when we uh, lost our semifinals against the eventual gold medalists we had to play against great britain again for bronze oh. so it's a but we had lost to them the day before so it's it's just like an interesting now you have like a new format and you have to kind of like shift your mental game because generally you're you're peaking three times a day and now you're peaking twice but you don't know how the next day is going to go because it's divided differently uh like over the three days or the two and so yeah the whole the whole even like based on just based on my answer it's just an overwhelming experience i don't even know where to start (laughs) yeah the let's go back to the meal hall the meal hall in rio could fit like five jumbo jets or something like i don't even know what type of planes but it was massive like I think they prided themselves on having like the biggest meal hall. <laughs> yep. And it's it's crazy. It's it's you walk in and there's just hundreds of people walking around and so many different food options and it just looks like a, essentially it's just like a huge room full of chairs and tables. But that's always the most uh, overwhelming place to be, especially for the fir- over the first few days because you're like I don't know where all the food is. It's there's co- a, a kilometer of food in here. And none of it was McDonald's. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, actually, that's so funny you say that because we were so lucky to be competing on the first three days of the games. As a result, we did not go to the opening ceremonies in Rio. So after that, <laughs> after that, no problem. We were at McDonald's, I think, for three meals a day for a good week. As you should be. Yeah, with our bronze medals in our in our pockets. I mean, I wouldn't put that in my pocket. I would flash it around everywhere i'd be like excuse me my bronze medal would like a big mac yeah like not even me uh, yeah my bronze medal <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so it's it's an incredibly overwhelming experience in the best and sometimes the worst ways like well, in uh, in tokyo we didn't do as well as we had ever hoped but the experience was still so rewarding and so phenomenal in such a different way mm-hmm. i can imagine that did you uh did you have yeah. a chance to meet like any other athletes you were kind of awestruck with? Like, did you meet like LeBron James or anything? Or <laughs> I didn't. I uh, I remember walking by Usain Bolt and I really did not want to bug him. Again, we're in the meal hall. That's where you find everybody is in the meal hall. But that was pretty cool. I didn't. I don't think I actually met anyone else. A teammate met Venus and Serena Williams. Just rad stuff. A couple of Canadian legends in there too. Because we don't really get the opportunity to have multi-sport games very often and uh, meet people and socialize from other sports even within canada like you we all follow each other on instagram as best as we as best we can especially after we meet each other at these events but it's 
you don't really get that chance to communicate, especially if you don't train in the same city. I get that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't because I'm not professional, but <laughs> you kind of get it. We're just like, we'll see you on Instagram, essentially. Right. All right. I mean, Victoria so is kind of cool because you have the uh, the Rugby Sevens here, Rowing Canada is here. I think Mountain Biking is here as well. So the Owens um, Diving Canada is here as well, too. So it, it's a really cool community. It's funny. It's That's like cool. someone will walk up to you and be like, I'm an Olympian. And we'll be like, yeah, I'm sure you are. Like, there's so many here. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I mean, it's like yeah. like Los Angeles. Like I'm an actor. Like I bet yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> and Perfect. what's what's next for you on the schedule, Bianca? Uh well, like I said before, I'm kind of uh doing a slow reintegration into playing sevens again okay. after a, a good six, seven month break after the last Olympic Games. Up next on the agenda for the team though is uh the World Cup qualifier and a home tournament here in Langford, another stop on the World Series. Mm-hmm. After that, the team's going to France, and then there's the Commonwealth Games, and then it's the World Cup. So it's a huge year, huge, huge year to be playing rugby. And can people follow you on your social media? Like, do you keep everything up to date on social media? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I'm a millennial, so of course I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. My Instagram handle is at Bianca Farella, and that's primarily where I uh, where I post. So I clog all my content there please follow for sure i'm sure justin's doing it right now i'm sure i legitimately <laughs> am because yeah. he's, he's always he always follows him before the the interview's even over <laughs> but uh-huh. all right well thank you so much for for coming out and shooting the poop with us love it this is really fun if you have any questions for the pro sports podcasters be sure to reach us on our twitter account where you can also slide into our dms and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.